Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Steph Curry's pretty good at basketball, huh? D12, am I right, guys? No, yeah, no. Steph Curry's uh, pretty good. Uh, that, in fact, that's what uh, that's what the whole locker room is going to be about is Steph Curry <laughs> being awesome at basketball. Now, I don't I don't pay enough attention to basketball. Is he having like a an MP, MVP type in the running season? No, but right now he's he's the baddest dude in the league. Okay. He here's so. Um, First player to ever go 11 straight games with 30-plus at 30 years old or older. 33 or older, yeah. 33 or older? Okay. Yeah. But there's only been like 11 guys to score 32-plus 30, 30, in uh, in 11 straight games, which he's done. And to give you some context, Rob, uh, <laughs> Steph, Curry, Steph Curry has six games this season with 10 or more made threes. Nobody else in NBA history has more than five in their entire career. Um, How much of the season is still left? Uh, Fifteen games, I think, something like that. Wow, yeah, he's just—he's he, just—he's unbelievable, dude. I mean, he's already claimed the greatest shooter of all time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I okay. think depending on like if he gets another ring, I think people are going to be talking about him with Magic as like the best point guard ever. Yeah. I think. He needs uh, to ask people. It's, might disagree a, with that, but I, I'm, I'm there. Acknowledging though, it's a long road to another ring for him. Oh no, no, no! And no. yeah, they might, they would be the worst team in the league if he wasn't on it. 
Yeah, they'd be one of them for sure. Um, it's an interesting parallel because I, I recently became fully on board with the idea of trading James Wiseman and that Minnesota pick for a star just to, you know, like you have Steph Curry in his prime, you just do it. And it's basically what the 49ers just did with their trade up. Um, they don't have a Steph Curry, but it's it's a move that you make when you just need to be aggressive, stop screwing around, and like we need to solve this issue. And I think the Warriors need to. But by, by the way, everybody, we're going to talk about the 49ers in a bit. <laughs> I promise you're not in the wrong locker room. Yeah, we. Uh, this, is not, this is just uh, the light minutes podcast. <laughs> Shout out to me Sam and, and Crocker do that every time. We have like 10 minutes of like just nothing 49ers, just yeah. the most random shit. I think we. We're talking Eminem and talking shit on Android users and all kinds of like for that ten minutes any it's all open. Yeah, so I, uh, I I let it be known on on Twitter today we had a star-studded locker room. Um, Rob is joining us. Uh, I believe the great Tracy Sandler is going to join us at some point. Let's go. Um, I should probably invite her. I'm not sure if she follows me either. We got major beef going on. Um, and Eric Crocker is coming on the show at some point. Because I think Kyle and I, I mean, I feel like I've said as much as I really could say about the quarterback stuff. This, Like, we'll talk about Trey Lance's pro day, and obviously, but, like, I just don't know how much is really going to change. And um, I, I think the most interesting thing coming out of the Trey Lance pro day is just the process of it all. It's getting John Beck to start working with Trey Lance and Justin Fields. He's been working with Justin Fields the whole time, but getting – John Beck, Kyle Shanahan's former quarterback, now sort of a quarterback guru who's worked under Tom House and has worked with 49ers quarterbacks in the past and also Matt Ryan, started working with Trey Lance um, after the 49ers made made the trade. And so I've after always... After they made the trade. After they made the trade, yeah, hmm. which, is, which is important. But... Um, so to me, like I, I going back to last month, I thought it would be Trey Lance, and I, that hasn't changed my opinion. And nothing that's happened around this pro day has really changed that opinion. Um, and so I'm just curious what you guys think, how the process has informed your opinion on who the 49ers are going to take now that we've gone through this process with all the pro days. And until John Lynch says something, I think next week or maybe even the week of the draft. Um. You know, I'm curious how you guys think the the process has changed and whether or not it's changed your opinion on who they're who they're going to draft. It has a little bit for me. Um, I I bought your Trey Lance thing because, like you said, you you had that a couple weeks ago was when you first made that public, and it was just it was kind of like okay, like I don't I don't have a reason to disagree with it, but I don't I don't have anything that's really selling me, but the the John Beck angle of this is is super interesting to me because that happens after they make the trade and it, it it's it's hard to believe that they made the trade while being sold on one of Justin Fields or McCorkle Jones mm-hmm. and then went well let's just have Trey Lance work with John Beck and see what happens I, I don't I, I don't think that that's how this this whole scenario was going to go down. Um, the bigger deal for me, though, you can talk about all that John Beck and coaching gobbledygook and whatnot, but the lack of Kyle Shanahan images from the <laughs> Trey Lance Pro Day today is either telling 
in that the 49ers didn't want to be shown showing interest in Trey Lance, or it's an indictment on the NDSU social media team cleaning mm-hmm. up. I mean, I did send you that one picture that was pretty yeah. clear. It, it was, it was, he was clearly smiling in, in that, in that image. Hint of a, there was a twinkle in his eye. Right. In all three pixels that we were given in there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to me, the only thing it's done for me is it, it's almost, it goes in two separate directions. Like I feel like I'm almost completely removed from the Mac Jones possibility. I, 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 you know, I don't know if I'm reading too much into the John Beck stuff, but the fact that, the fact that they had him work out with Trey Lance, the fact that he's been working out with Justin Fields and also Zach Wilson. That to me kind of, I mean, that is like, that is some really solid intel on guys you're thinking about drafting. I, I, I told Crocker on our let yesterday that it wouldn't surprise me if either more teams started doing that or a rule was created to where teams weren't allowed to do that because it's clearly just like somebody who's very privy to everything the 49ers are thinking and want. Uh, coaching the players that they're thinking about drafting. Like, to me, that's – I mean, it's genius. We, we can say that for now. It just wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden that became either the the norm or frowned upon, or maybe it has been the norm and I don't know. But to me, it's just – it's it's narrowed my focus to Justin Fields and Trey Lance, and I feel like I go back and forth on, on a daily, uh, you know, occurrence. And – I really have no clue. And and I think that it, it, me feeling like this almost gives me a feeling, even though I've kind of been on the other side of this this entire time, maybe the 49ers don't even know. Maybe they haven't even made up their mind. And that's the reason they're they're going down the John Beck kind of path. They went to both – they had each player do another pro day. Maybe they don't know. Or, may, you know, I, I kind of – I always felt that if they made that trade, they had to have a good idea. But maybe they're still talking about it. I don't know. I think I think they know just they're doing all this stuff because they have no reason not to. Yes. Right? Like, you, you want to get as much information as on these guys as possible no matter when you know. Right? Um, so, Crocker, I know you're pretty plugged in. And uh, and welcome. You got to give me the follow so I can invite you to these things. I'm a little miffed that you don't follow me. <laughs> That's unbelievable. No, let's hang on. Pause either. everything. We need to we need to talk about this. Croc, what's your beef with Chris? <laughs> Why do you hate Chris, Chris Biederman? He doesn't follow me either, and I have a damn podcast with him. Yeah, I, I just tried to stuff. I just tried to invite you here, Croc, and uh, and I couldn't because you don't follow me. So oh, I don't. Oh, in the locker room. room. Okay, no, I'm yeah, in, lo- in locker room. In locker room. Oh, okay. Hold on. Okay, I gotta. Figure. I'm still trying to figure this app out. Here we go. No, Look at this. No, we're no. ending. We're ending beefs. 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 <laughs> we're ending beefs on the on the locker. Crocker, what do you what do you think? What do you make of the the process of the last couple of weeks? Now it, it's been interesting, but I think like you guys have kind of touched on, you know, definitely like you know, dotting their eyes and crossing their t's with everything. Like you know, this is a a situation. I know everybody looks at it like a just like a current thing, right? Like all the 49ers are here to win now, like, who's going to be the best guy for that? And I think, like, nah, man, this is, like, a long-term move, and you want to make sure that you get married to the right guy, <laughs> you know? So I like what they're doing, going around and, and looking into, you know, lifting up every rock, looking under every every rock. Um, I, I, I really I, – I've tried to feel like I understand, like, where they're going with this, but I just don't know. Like, I don't know at all, like, which, which way to go. But um, I, I think the best – the, the Beck connection, it could be viewed a few different ways, um, but I think ultimately they get to find out the most about these prospects. Now, I heard Rob talk about how maybe this is something people will do, event, you know, like down the line next year and stuff, but I don't know if it's going to be something that people end up doing because 
you end up kind of tipping your hand on what you're thinking. 49ers are in a position right now where it just doesn't matter because they're at pick three. But, you know, I think, like, you know, if the 49ers are at pick 12, you're probably a little less likely to do something like this because you don't want someone to know that you're, you know, highly interested in, in a player. So I think it definitely helps with them at three, though. Um, you know, hopefully hopefully they really like what they're hearing about Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, sorry, my my dog's going a little crazy right now. Um, but uh, we we got someone else on the call. Roscoe is. Yeah, we got somebody else on the call who I I think also has dogs doing stuff right now. It's Tracy Sandler, uh, also known as Forty Niners fan girl, close friend of the podcast. Tracy, what's up? Who are the Forty Niners going to draft? <laughs> um. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're putting you on the record. Report. Yeah, we're we're all we're all Forty Niners to draft player X. We're all lording over our tweets that we're going to push out. I actually think declaring who you're going to draft take. Um, Max Duffy. He's a punter who's projected to go in the seventh round. No, I'm just kidding. He really is a punter projected <laughs> in the seventh round. But I don't think that's who they're taking at three, though I kind of want them to just because everybody would lose their mind. Maximum chaos would be fun. <laughs> it would be on, Would there I, even be chaos or just a, like... Would like, 49ers fans actually riot? Like, would they tweet about it or would they actually riot? I think, think it would be like, this is it. a bit. Nobody would actually believe it. <laughs> Go ahead, Tracy. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, that's, that, that's it. There, there's my prediction. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I go back and forth on this a lot, but I actually think it's going to be Trey Lance, and not just because a few weeks ago, Beads texted me, I think I know who the four ers are going to draft, and he sent me a GIF to which I responded, <laughs> is that a moose? Because I'm going in my head. <laughs> Fuck guys, bison. Like I'm going through like, and he's like, no, that is not a moose. That's a bison. I'm like googling top quarterbacks with moose. Did I miss something? I like so confused. It was in fact a bison. So I don't know if anybody else on this locker room app um, has that confused. Uh, so now I think I'm, I'm all in on Trey Lancer for no other reason than a gift. And I also think. Trey Lance makes the most sense with Justin Fields being a, a close second. Um, but, you know, because I said both of those things, it will for sure be Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I keep getting further and further from the Mac Jones thing the further this goes. I do along. too. I, they're and, not Mac Jones. I, I'm going to put, why don't we put me on the record as saying that? They're not. Okay. Okay, so yeah, you'll join the group of us that look horrible when, if and when they do decide to take Mac Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I just don't. I I don't see it. Like I, you, you ask around and you talk to people. I just, I I mean, maybe Kyle Shanahan feels a, a a way that's very distinct from a lot of other people of of who are evaluating the situation and who have evaluated all the players. But like the gap, you talk to people about the gap between like is Mac Jones good and is Mac Jones worth investing three first round picks in. And I think that's ultimately the the differentiator for a lot of people. It's not that, you know, if if the Niners had just landed with a third pick without trading up, um, then maybe the Mac Jones thing would make a little bit more sense and be a little more palatable. But to do it, you know, investing all those picks, um, it just doesn't doesn't really make any sense to me. So, um, yeah, like I, I think it's going to be Trey Lance. I still do. Um, I, I think – what it comes down to for me is is a lot of just like how quickly he plays from the pocket, right? How how quickly mm-hmm. he makes his reads. Um, 
I think all that stuff is really advanced. I tweeted out today, and I haven't even checked the mentions in a few hours because I'm sure all the, the a lot of people Justin who who want the Niners to take Justin Fields are upset by it. But I think it's worth pointing out, and obviously there are different circumstances, but it's worth pointing out that as a 19 year old. Trey Lance had his season 16 and 0, all the numbers we've talked about, no interceptions, et cetera, et cetera. Justin Fields at the same time was backing up Jake Fromm and ultimately didn't beat out Jake Fromm. And I know that's like the very that that's his true freshman season. Um, Trey Lance redshirted during his freshman season, but if you just look at just those two seasons from each of those guys, 19 years old you can make a strong case that Trey Lance was more advanced at that age, just in terms of playing quarterback, regardless of the, um, regardless of the circumstances around everything. Right. And then you watch the way they play. You watch the way the North Dakota state offense runs. You, you see him move like you see the way he runs, right? We know how Kyle Shanahan likes guys with physicality as they run. To me, Trey Lance has sort of that edge to him, that George Kittle, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. dark place thing, um, the Debo Samuel thing, where he just wants to run through your face. And obviously that's not that's not what he's going to do in the league, but it's just a mentality thing, right? And so you hear yeah. about, you, you ask people, you hear about all of his stuff off the field, um, how smart he is you know, how advanced he might be at that young age, albeit against its competition level. And for me, I just keep coming back to, like, he just feels like he's better than Justin Fields, particularly for Kyle Shanahan in a few different ways, just translating to his offense. And I think that's ultimately enough to be the differentiating factor for him. But I don't I don't disagree with anybody who thinks the Niners can and should draft Justin Fields. Like, I don't – I think he, he could be a star. I just think – Based on what we know about them, watching the way they play, I think it's a little bit more of a projection for Justin Fields because of what they did at Ohio State, because um, those are longer developing plays and they aren't working on their center and Justin Fields isn't doing as much, you know, orchestrating the protections before uh, the, the snap and all those things. It's just like all these little areas to me, Trey Lance is a little bit better and regardless of the physical stuff, regardless of the, um, you know, the, the the numbers, the 40 time, all that stuff, just to me, it's it's a few little areas. And, and I could see Kyle Shanahan wanting to take the biggest project and just saying, I'm one of the best coaches in the league. You give me a ball, Clay, I can mold him into a star. And that guy, who's I think is the best piece of Clay to mold at number three, I think is going to be Trey Lance. And that's where it's the best piece of clay. Is that because it rhymes or just? No, I don't speak in alliteration on purpose. That's, that's purely by accident. So it's not alliteration. It's a rhyme, but sorry, Kyle, go ahead. (laughs) Um, so I forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead. Back to you, Chris. (laughs) No, um, no, I think, no. Okay. So I, I I have a couple of things down here. Um, one of them is, Going back to the linebacker mentality thing, I wonder if because Chris, you even said it, he's not going to railroad players in the NFL the way he did at the FCS level. But I do wonder because he literally got recruited to the University of Minnesota to play linebacker, but he wanted to play quarterback, which is why he went to North Dakota State. And I do wonder if that's something that 
would would also have to be coached out of him. Um, because part of what makes Russell Wilson so good, for example, is that self-preservation ability. Uh, he slides at the right times. He ducks out of bounds at the right times. He avoids get, taking big shots in the pocket, typically. Um, we saw what happened to a player like Cam Newton, who took in that linebacker mentality and, and ran players over and did it with a ton of success early in his career, but we saw injuries kind of um, uh, diminish what he's been able to do the last couple of years. So I wonder if that's something I don't I don't know if it's something that that the 49ers would be concerned about but I do wonder if uh if that's something that when they evaluate Trey Lance and the things they're going to have to coach him up on that's one of the things that they take into account. Well, one, yeah, of the, one of the I, things that I keep going back to is like there's a whole element of this that we can't even speak on in in these guys it's like personalities when they're off the camera, you know, like how they act around their teammates, how they act around their coaches, what their teammates and coaches say about them, what, how they act in the meetings they've had with the 49ers. And it's like, to me, there, there could also be this entire, you know, mental processing, personality, work ethic, and, and this is in no way a dig at, at either of them. I'm just, there's a lot of other factors that we aren't even privy to that could go into this decision. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, whoever is going to end up pulling the trigger, obviously I, I think it's Kyle Shanahan. There may be some type of, you know, other personality connection there where he just feels like him and, and this prospect are just going to be able to do great things together. And, and I think a lot of that kind of goes unspoken. You know, you have to be able to build – if Kyle Shanahan and this quarterback are going to have success, they're going to have to, like, really kind of connect on a level – if they want to get where they're going. And, and I'm, I'm assuming that happens with every great head coach and quarterback. And so there's there's also this – I don't know either of them, so I can't speak on it. I just think there's probably – that's probably a huge part of this decision that we know nothing about is these guys, is what they do off the field, how they act. There's probably just so much there we don't know going to this decision. And, it, you know, obviously all we can talk about is what they do on the field, but I just think that if, if he ends up going the way of Trey Lance and that shocks some people – there's probably this whole other element out there that we have no idea that that really played a significant part of that decision that we just we can't really speak of. And I'll be honest, like part of my part of my reasoning is hearing about that stuff, right, from people who who know like he's or for people who have studied him, from people who know, and like all that stuff is seems pretty sterling um, from from my standpoint. I, I, somebody mentioned it in the chat, and um, it's a point that gets thrown at me a lot on Twitter. When you're comparing the two, it's that, well, Justin Fields was the highest recruit, obviously, or the second highest recruit, much more notable recruit than Trey Lance. Um, you know, like, I don't think anybody drafts based on recruiting rankings. And, yeah, there's a certain pedigree to it. But, like, if you're just drafting guys who were who were top recruits and did awesome in, in college, then, like, Tim Tebow would be the best quarterback ever. So I think that's part of the equation for sure. But if, if you're just looking at how a, how a guy functions playing as a quarterback, that doesn't really have anything to do with it, right? Like it's 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 mm-hmm. it's just it's another thing to point at and another thing to dig into. And how did they do relative to their competition and all that stuff? But it's like I, I it doesn't change the fact that I think Trey Lance has a higher ceiling, right? So just just to me that like that's that stuff doesn't really matter. And you hear, you know, quarterback people, I think Dan Orlovsky tweeted it today, um, like draft uh, for production projection 
And that's what you're doing if you're taking us over Justin Fields. It's a projection. And, yeah, it's a really difficult projection to make. But ultimately, the guy with the highest ceiling. If you're Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion, you're trying to find the guy with the highest ceiling and the guy who you think can do what you want him to do best. And I just I think it's close between him and him and Fields, but I just think, like I said, there's there are those little areas to me that all point to Lance. And on top of the fact that you know some of the experience issues or the lack of quality competition issues. I mean, speaking of lack of like, do, do we think Jimmy Garoppolo is getting replaced because he went to Eastern Illinois and didn't play like a great D1 schedule? Is that the the thing that's holding Jimmy Garoppolo back? <laughs> Mm-hmm. No. no, like nobody thinks that, right? So it's going to be one of those things that once he's in the league, none of that stuff matters. Once you're in the league, it's just can you do it or not? And I- Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We're all trying to figure out who's who in terms of like the pecking order and, and where everybody is. But to me, just looking at how they play quarterback um, and what I think Kyle Shanahan wants, that's, that's Trey Lance. So, Tracy, I know you had a question you wanted to, you wanted to ask the group. I do. I have a hypothetical for you guys. Um, bear with me here. Let me set the scene. It's mid-October. 49ers are first place in the NFC West. They've lost, let's say, one game. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did start the season as QB1, and then he, God forbid, gets injured because you would never wish that on anybody. Which of these guys do you trust to come in and lead the team through the rest of the season into the playoffs? Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gold. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com gold. That's BetterHelp. 
dot com slash G O L D. Justin Fields. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that would have been, been my answer well, too. Yeah, but I think any of these guys, like, you know, whether it's Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or even Mac Jones, I think, like, all of them, like, if they were to go, whoever goes to the 49ers is in a very, like, advantageous situation for them. So I think, like, they all have talent. They all possess, like, this level of really good talent, even a guy like Mac Jones, who I think is less talented than the other guys. But he definitely has enough talent to, at the very least, be successful. I mean, we've seen a guy like Nick Mullins come in and look serviceable. And actually, I don't, I don't know how much more talented Mac Jones is than Nick Mullins. But it has to be like <laughs> a little <laughs> what a jerk. Better, better than some point. I, I do think we're kind of overthinking Justin Fields a little bit, right? And I think the like the word when I was talking to my buddy about it is kind of like overanalyzing. I get the whole, like, you know, what he was coming out of high school and everything, but he's been just as good, at, you know, in college, like, at Ohio State. Like, you know, like, what we saw him do against Clemson and most other teams, like, in the Big Ten, like, he didn't lose a Big Ten game in two years. And then, like, on then he goes to, like, pretty much the biggest stage, like, you know, not the national championship, but at this point, going, playing the playoff game against Clemson, and then what he did, like, he destroyed – Clemson, like with the ribs or hip pointer and whatever else he had going on. So he showed a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. Like then you, you know, so we see the ability, like there's no throw he can't make. There's, there's nothing he can't do. When you talk about upside, I don't think it gets any higher than the upside that Phil's gives you because really he has like the biggest arm in his class. He is the like most athletic, even though I don't think he runs like that, but he possesses that type of talent. Like I just think there's a lot to, to him and we're kind of overthinking it. And it really reminds me a lot of when Deshaun Watson was coming out, where it was like he showed us everything. He showed he had that that it factor, and it was just like, ah, uh, I don't know if he throws with enough velocity, or oh, he had all these turnovers, you know, his last year. Oh, he lost to Nathan Peterman, and we're like looking at all these little things to kind of like knock him down. But at the end of the day, it's like, nah, like the dude is an amazing football player, and and he ended up going to a good situation, and you know, being what looks like a top five you know, top seven quarterback in the NFL right now. So I think with Fields, he possesses that, and we're trying to look to see if he, like, perfectly fits with Kyle Shanahan. But, like, I look at it like, well, can he not be good in it? Because maybe he wasn't under center as much as uh, uh, Trey Lance, even though he was under – like, if you just watch Ohio State, he was under center a good amount, just not as much as Trey Lance. Are you saying that Solomon Thomas was a worse pick than Deshaun Watson would have been? <laughs> uh, I think it's where debatable. Where going with this? I, I think it's debatable. <laughs> well, hey, now given current events, it might actually be, but that's a completely other direction. But hold on. Let's, okay, so let's look at that, though, right? Like Solomon Thomas, what was he supposed to be, right? Like this safer um, scheme fit, you know, like – you know, and all those type of things that, like, just fit with what the 49ers wanted to do from a personality standpoint. And they passed on somebody like Deshaun Watson now. I mean, you know, he got all that stuff going on right now, all that weird stuff. But outside of that, like, you know, he, you know, he's viewed as a top seven quarterback in this league. And Kyle Shanahan went up there, and nobody asked him to speak on this, but he talked about how, hey, yeah, we were looking into Stafford. Hey, we were looking into Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson – is isn't a guy that just 100% fits what the 49ers do right now, but they were looking into that because it's like at the end of the day, this dude's extremely talented. He's a playmaker, and he makes our team better. And that's how I kind of look at Justin Fields. 
Yeah, I have another. I, you, you've convinced me, so <laughs> I'm I'm. Well, Tra- Tracy's watched Justin Fields run over Michigan for the last couple of years. Oh, I think <laughs> should have a very oh, high boy. Oh, God. I got to go. Actually, <laughs> any reason to bring that up, Christopher? <laughs> no, not for Chris went to Ohio State, guys, in case you didn't know. So. And Tracy went to Michigan. And Tracy went to Michigan. Went Tracy to went to Michigan, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Ohio State. Apparently, in Michigan, they didn't teach us the difference between a moose and a bison, but. Well. Yeah, I guess not in the Midwest. <laughs> they, they probably even have bison somewhere in Michigan, I would think, right? Probably. It's that, that thick of the woods. Probably. <laughs> Leonard said, how does Chris go to Ohio State and not want fields? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Homer. <laughs> um, just because I, I want to be a, a hipster contrarian. No, I honestly think, like, everything that I've just tried to get, like, I've gone back and, like, I transcribe quotes from Kyle Shanahan's Scrum with reporters after his introductory press conference in 2017. I asked him specifically, what do you look for in a quarterback? And he said, it's one of those things where you want a top seven thrower, um, ideally, but, you know, it's hard to get those guys, which makes me think the Kirk Cousins stuff is a little bit overblown because he's tried to get that type of Kirk Cousin-like player in free agency or in the middle of the draft like he did with C.J. Beathard, like, that's the kind of guy that you target when that's the resource you're using. But I think ultimately when you're investing premium resources and like three first round picks, you want to get an elite talent. So yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe I could just be misreading this whole thing. I I do go back to the CJ Beathard point um, because what Kyle Shanahan said after drafting Beathard was that he was really easy to project despite all the numbers. And despite the fact that Beathard completed like 56% of his, uh, of his passes in his last season at Iowa, he was like, well, he played a lot better than that, and it was just a lot of circumstance. And I'm really comfortable with the fact that he runs this pro-style scheme, et cetera, et cetera, which I think you can say a lot of the same things about Trey Lance and just his situation, the run-first offense. I think there are a lot of parallels there. Now, does that mean it's going to be Trey Lance? No, but it, it's just me connecting the dots and trying to figure out what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. And some of that is reinforced when you see people talk about, well, like, you know, if there's a guy that's just has the highest upside, like a lot of people think it's Trey Lance. And I know a lot of people think it's Justin Fields, but I I just put it, just, just putting the pieces together based on what I know from having covered Kyle Shanahan and asking him these questions. That's just the conclusion I come to. And maybe I'm wrong, but who knows? One of the things that jumped out to me when you were, when you were talking earlier, Chris, was somebody said, I I forget who it was, but said that picking Mac Jones would be the most arrogant pick of all time. I think that was, was, yeah, it was a text that Middlecoff got from from somebody in the league, yeah. So I have kind of been thinking about it, and I get that point with with Mac Jones because he doesn't doesn't have any, like, physical traits that say – He's an elite top three caliber quarterback. It's that like high speed processor or whatever thing you get is like a laptop upgrade. But <laughs> I wonder if Lance kind of fits that bill as well. Like if you want to buy into the Kyle Shanahan is super arrogant thing. Um, I think Lance fits into that basket as well, though, because you have this guy who has 17 college starts and won since 2019 uh, and played at the FCS level and they'd be trading up 
th- trading three first round picks to move up in the draft to select a guy who hasn't put real tape out in two years. Like that, that to me, and then, and then saying, and they're going to try and win with Jimmy Garoppolo in the meantime. And while the Super Bowl run or attempted Super Bowl run in 2021 is going on, they're molding the guy who's going to take over in 2022 in the background and then plugging him in in 2022 and the Super Bowl runs are going to continue. It's crazy. <laughs> well, when like, you say it like that, it almost, it almost seems even more arrogant, you know, right. Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it is. Well, the thing that I keep falling back to, and, and maybe it's, it's a bit short-sighted of me or, or just lazy, but like Crocker has, and we had this conversation, he's got multiple guys that are, that are, in the quarterback scene, whether they're in the league or just outside of it in the college scene, that he's had conversations with that prefer Trey Lance. And and to me, I just don't know what they know. I can't look at guys and scout them the way they scout them. And I'm like, if there's guys that know this position at a high level, more than I will ever know it, like, and they look at those two players and they determine that the guy that you just described, Kyle, is the one that they would prefer, then – you know, to me, it just it says that maybe it's not as as of this because there's so many people that think it's Justin Fields by a mile and stuff like that makes me think, well, maybe this is a lot closer than people think it is. And Croc, you can speak on that more and kind of what they, they told you. But it's just to me, if there's guys out there that are way more experienced in, with this this whole thing than I am and they can prefer Trey Lance, then to me, it's that to me makes it seem closer than it's led on to be. Yeah, I, I think Dan Orlovsky actually talked a little bit about it on NFL Live today, and I'm going to retweet um, the, the video clip onto my timeline now if you guys are on Twitter and want to check that out. But it's just an example of just Lance like going back, flipping his hips off a of play-action fake, and then making two reads and making the throw and doing it with a guy in his face and getting the ball out in like 1.7 seconds. Um, on time and on target, but what's funny about it is the receiver drops it, right? So, like, he showed, and and Orlovsky called it, like, being able to process that quickly without being in a hurry is a quarterback superpower. And, like, you know, I think Orlovsky's pretty good at this stuff. He's obviously not 100% when it comes to all of his quarterback takes, but it's one I tend to agree with in that, and it, and it matches up with everything I've heard about Lance, too. It's it's the ability to just play, play quickly from the pocket, without without losing your wits about you while you're back there. And so I think there are a lot of people that think that Trey Lance is more advanced than Justin Fields, but that's not to say that Justin Fields can't get there, but it's just about the baseline where you're at right now. And I think it's it's a little bit telling, too, given the fact that, you know, does it give Lance a higher ceiling? Is that part of the conversation? Because he was doing it as a 19-year-old, right? Like, regardless of competition, you can go watch the clip. Like, he's doing high-level things that have nothing to do with who he's playing or what his conference is or whatever. And you can just see it. And another thing I've heard that, that I, that I believe about Kyle Shanahan and I tweeted this out, I think Saturday is that coaches who have a ton of self-belief in, in their ability to scout, uh, if they see something, they'll be, they'll feel convicted. Like they don't need a massive sample size to like some coaches just don't need this massive sample size to make their decision on these players. And so given what we know about Kyle Shanahan, given that he said he doesn't give a shit about numbers, um, he doesn't look at stats. He he only watches film. Like that's the biggest part of it for him. 
Um, just given all that, it just makes me see it, it. It seems like Lance could be that ball of clay, like I said. So, um, do you guys think he doesn't look at stats at all? Like he literally has never once Googled like Trey Lance college stats. <laughs> well, <laughs> definitely like at least taking a peek, right? Them is amazing. His, I mean, his analytics department is. I'm sure they have printouts of every advanced metric of all these guys, and that's the thing too. It's like there are probably five or six people that like did the full evaluation on all these quarterbacks who Kyle Shanahan trusts, including Mike Shanahan. I think that's very. I, I, that might be an underrated part of all this is that I think Mike Shanahan has a ton of sway in this and his evaluation of the quarterbacks, and I think Kyle Shanahan is using him as a resource. Um, but I think, you know, Mike McDaniel, Rich Scangarello, uh, maybe Wes Welker, um, Shanahan, John Lynch, um, you know, everybody in the in the front office has probably done the deep dive on all these quarterbacks, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they – if Shanahan, I mean, from my understanding, like most of the organization is completely in the dark. <laughs> like there, there are people in the scouting department who have no idea who the 49ers are going to take because they're not even talking about quarterbacks in the scouting meetings. So that's that's another reason why I have a really hard time believing that like the national reporters know who the 49ers are going to draft when there are so many people in the building who are still waiting to figure it all out. Um, but I, yeah, I just I, I think they. My my main point here is I think if you isolate all the variables and and just look at who these quarterbacks are and how they play the game, like I think that's how this decision is going to be made, not who had more yards in what conference and who won games against what teams and, and whatever. I just think it's a cumulative assessment of just watching these guys play and who fits best based on that is going to be is going to be the assumption it's not going to be about resume because you don't you don't draft resumes and if you did draft resumes and you know Tim Tebow would be the, the greatest NFL quarterback of all time man that is it's just a lot it's a lot to digest and and to me the one thing that kind of could skew all of this once it's all said and done is you you have to think that Kyle Shanahan's looking at each one of these guys, saying, "Okay, what? How, and it's to your point, what you're just saying, Chris, is what are these guys going to look like in my offense, in on my team with the players that I've got here?" Because everybody kind of talks about the lower level of competition, and, and at the same time, Trey Lance was also surrounded by a lower level of competition. You know, the the players that are on his team are also of a lower level, and so. Kyle Shanahan's got to be projecting this like, okay, he's going to be behind what I think is going to be a pretty stellar offensive line this season. He's going to be throwing to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, uh, whoever else they got coming out of the backfield, Raheem Mostert, whatever. And to me, it it goes, it kind of reinforces what you're just saying, Chris, and the fact that what they just did or what they just got done doing in college doesn't matter at all anymore. Literally, it's all about what that, players going to be able to do in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And this also kind of skews the idea that, I mean, whoever goes to the 49ers at three, there's a really good chance that they just end up being the best quarterback out of the class simply because they're drafted into the, by far the best situation. And we've mentioned this this before, like the 49ers just by their, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's injury blessings, I guess you could call them. They have no business being at pick number three. We know that just based on the pure talent of the team and kind of what we know they're how we know they're capable of playing. And so it's, I mean, how often is there a team with 
genuine playoff aspirations for the next season, picking at number three. You know, I think right, right now the 49ers are favored to win more games than any other team in the NFC West, which is just yeah, kind of crazy when you, you know, like that's crazy. How often are quarterbacks drafted into a situation like that and their head coach is Kyle Shanahan? And so it's, it's not really going to matter because at that point the deed is done, the, the, the pick's made, the players are all in their situations. But whoever goes at three to the 49ers could end up being the best quarterback in the class just based on the fact that they are being pushed into the, the absolutely most ideal situation for a rookie quarterback and who knows how long. I have a, I, I have a question I want to bounce off you guys and then we'll start taking some callers. One of my good, one of my best friends is in here and he wants to, he wants to talk. So I'll, I'll give him that opportunity. <laughs> um, I'm, not, but, I'm not a he, but okay. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you, you've already spoken, Tracy. No. Um, <laughs> uh, so one thing, you, there's the Jimmy Garoppolo element to this, right? Do you guys think that Jimmy Garoppolo's status changes based on who they pick? Because I'm of the mind, if they take Justin Fields or Mac Jones, that they're more likely to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo before training camp even starts. And then you potentially have to deal him at whatever you could get for him right now, just because it probably wouldn't be the healthiest situation if one of those guys with as much, you know, big game experience, quote unquote, however you want to put it, if they're playing, because that wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense. Or versus Trey Lance, who I, which I think they would be more comfortable keeping Garoppolo. And then if you start Garoppolo, if you go to the playoffs with Garoppolo, then potentially you rehabilitate his trade value. And from a team building perspective, just the big picture, is that the best decision? Or just how do you guys view the, the Jimmy Garoppolo side of it? Uh, Croc, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys say about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just based on what they can get for him. Like, I, I think regardless of what quarterback it is, I think Kyle does a good job, you know, whoever's that quarterback for him, putting together a game plan that where that quarterback can be successful, right? I mean, even when Jimmy Garoppolo was coming back, we saw against the Rams where every pass was like five yards. You know, like he can do that with a rookie. Um, you know, I think with, with Garoppolo, it just comes down to like what he can get for the guy. Like Garoppolo does have value for the 49ers, whereas, you know, if he's on the field, you have a better chance to win like right now. And even over a rookie, just because the rookie is still unknown. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think it would just take – if somebody offered a first, no matter who they draft, whether they draft Lance or any of the other guys, if somebody offers a first, they're going to trade Jimmy for that first. Yes. But no matter who's, you know, but now if somebody's only offering a third, then it's just like, ah, we'd rather keep Jimmy. You know, he's more valuable to us than this third round pick is. I think a second round pick makes them think about it, but a first for sure, no matter who's that quarterback, that whoever they draft, if, if they get a first round pick um, offered to them, they're going to take that. I think there's a – is there – and I could just be off on this. Is there a weird way that drafting Trey Lance third overall actually increases Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value? Be, because I, I feel like the fact that I, um, the assumption is that Trey Lance needs time almost would, would give the – it could be an illusion that the 49ers really, really want to hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and I don't know if that, if that actually increases his trade value or just – Kind of, it's just a perception thing. But if everybody's assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo still, if the 49ers still need him to be the starter, and they don't want to trot Trey Lance out there week one, then obviously teams might assume that it's going to take a little more to get him away. And I, I'm a, I agree with Croc though. I feel like 
Jimmy Garoppolo's status on the team is solely dependent on what teams are willing to offer for him. I really, I really don't, I don't think the 49ers mind starting their rookie quarterback either way. And if we're talking about all the things that Trey Lance has done, despite the limited sample size, if we're talking about all the things he's done that kind of already match what, what Kyle Shannon is going to ask him to do, then he should be comfortable starting him. I mean, not completely comfortable, but to me, it, it all just comes down to what other teams are willing to offer him. And maybe the fact that they draft Trey Lance makes teams think that they'd have to give a little bit more to pry him away, but that could be way off. My favorite conspiracy theory um, that I think has been floated a few different places. I don't know if it's actually true, but I, I think it's fun to think about is that the Niners were somehow inflating Mac Jones's value to make Jimmy Garoppolo more value, more, more valuable in the trade, right? Like, so if they create demand for Mac Jones and a team ends up trading, say, to, I don't know, say the Falcons move and somebody wants Mac Jones at four, like, that's that's difficult to do for a team because that's a high price. But like if you create if you create demand for Mac Jones, that shrinks the market for Jimmy Garoppolo and might increase the value you could get for Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade. Does that make sense? Like if if you if everybody in the league thinks suddenly that Mac Jones is a really good player because the 49ers like him then those teams grapple to get Mac Jones, and then the team that doesn't get Mac Jones might be more desperate in that, in, in that standpoint. Um, so I don't know. That's just a conspiracy theory, but can it's going to be fascinating. I'm ready, I'm ready for, for the draft to get here. Kyle, what you got? Since we're doing <laughs> conspiracy theories, can I throw on a tinfoil hat? Yeah, please. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's go. So what if – all right, here's my, here's my wild conspiracy theory. What if – follow me here. The 49ers don't like Zach Wilson, and the Jets know that. And the 49ers are letting this Mac Jones stuff kind of go and not revealing what they plan on doing, A, because the Jets haven't said what they want to do uh, or exactly what they're going to do, but B, because they don't want to risk, like, let's say it's Trey Lance. Trey Lance is the guy that Shanahan said, that's the guy. That's that's it. It's It's him in this class, and I don't want to trade up for anyone else. And they're letting this Mac Jones stuff go. So the Falcons, who have been sniffing around on Trey Lance and have been in in Fargo, North Dakota, and talking to coaches about Trey Lance, so the Falcons didn't trade with the Jets to jump up because the Jets knew they could skip back to four and get Wilson because the 49ers didn't like him. And so the 49ers don't want to get jumped because they – know that the Jets aren't going to take Lance. But they don't want the Falcons to jump them to two, which the Jets would be willing to do if they know the 49ers don't want Zach Wilson and the Jets do want Zach Wilson. (sighs) Whenever Uh, the draft comes... What a tangled web. Every every year, like when there's a draft, I always try to envision, like, what's a scenario we're not thinking about that could really happen? And the one I keep coming back to is Zach Wilson not going to the Jets. But literally everybody thinks that's already done. So if it doesn't happen, it would be like the most unlikely thing ever. But I do wonder if, like, we don't know. Nobody knows what the Jets are thinking, right? Like, just ascribing Zach Wilson to the Jets is kind of similar in a sense to, like, everybody just saying the Niners want Mac Jones. Like, there hasn't really been a whole lot of reporting saying, like, this is actually what the Jets are doing. It's just sort of the expectation, and 
and you know, you hear like you hear it a lot that it's that it's a done deal. But that that to me, like I do wonder what would happen, right? Like does does Kyle Shanahan have enough conviction about Zach Wilson? I'm assuming he does to take him over the other three guys, or is he so stuck on whoever his guy is at number three? that he might even like that player more than Zach Wilson. It, that wouldn't be that crazy in my mind because Kyle Shanahan, the way he likes players has differed before, right? Like, you know, he didn't like Jerry Judy when everybody expected Jerry Judy to be Kyle Shanahan's favorite receiver, right? Like there wasn't a word about the 49ers and Henry Ruggs where it seemed like, oh, you get Henry Ruggs, he's the perfect Shanahan guy, particularly as a deep threat. So, you know, like his favorite guy was C.D. Lamb, who I thought that Shanahan wouldn't really like. Um, and I I took a huge L on that because that was Shanahan's favorite receiver in the draft. And then they take Brandon Ayuk, who, you know, a lot of people thought might be a second round second round guy. So there's and he was there's, willing to take him at 13. Right. Yeah, that's what he said. So, you know, there's there's a very good chance or not a very good chance, but there's a chance that how Kyle Shanahan views this stuff is dramatically different than public perception, you know, and all of us who are just trying to connect the dots based on what we know about them. Well, I don't even think it's just a chance, really. I mean, based on what we know and based on what you just said, I think that's a very strong possibility and, and almost 100% accurate. All right. So let's take – we're going to go to the phones, the speaker requests. Um, one of my best friends in the world – his name is also Kyle, Kyle Doherty, my uh, first roommate in college, and we also went to high school together, grew up in the same neighborhood in Santa Rosa. Kyle, welcome to the uh, to the live show, man. How you doing? Chris, what up? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Awesome. <laughs> How you feeling? You feeling I'm better? <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling good now, you know? I got okay, some good. food, I got some Shake Shack. Perfect. Uh, hot take, hot take. I, yeah. It was controversial. For us Californians, but Shake Shack's better than In-N-Out. Sorry. That's fine. I, I actually <laughs> agree with that. It's just, does Shake Shack have drive-thrus? Uh, I don't know. I've never been to a Shake Shack with a drive-thru. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never I been to a Shake Shack. living in New York. Mm, I'm with Croc on that. Yeah, me either. <laughs> if you guys, okay, so if you guys can go to Shake Shack, my my thing with the Shake Shack versus In-N-Out. Like, and people do this with five guys, too. I don't put them in the same category because they don't have drive throughs Right? I mean, so it's like, it, it's just a different, it's a different type of place. So it's it's sort of comparing apples and oranges for me. I mean, I agree with that because, like, I love In-N-Out, too. I just like saying that because it drives people crazy. <laughs> people people are very passionate about fashion. People I've, lose their mind. I've thankfully, <laughs> I've thankfully reached a point in life where uh, local burger chains are no longer part of my identity. Mm, congratulations. <laughs> like almost, what you like. like I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to reach that point. Like, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just like a goddamn cheeseburger. Like, what the <laughs> <laughs> No, people are picky about cheeseburgers like they are about quarterbacks. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, the shape. Speaking of five guys. The, the, Trey, yeah. the Trey Lance uh, <laughs> take. Uh, so, Chris, so I have, a, like, my, my big question for you, and we haven't been able to talk about this, so that's why I'm asking you here, is so – well, it's actually like two things. So first one is like Trey Lance, like the whole, I mean, my question is, do you think him coming from North Dakota state, like he can actually hang in the league? Like I know um, what's his name, like came to Philly and was like good, but he had injury problems. Carson Wentz. Um, yeah. Wentz. 
do you think Lance can hang? Because there's, like, a huge difference between, like, everyone's like, oh, Alan, you know, he went to Wyoming. Uh, like, other people have gone to smaller schools. But there's a big difference between D1, like, a small D1 school and D1AA, like, like North Dakota State, right? It's a, yeah. It's a, I, not, not, like, a small difference. It's a massive difference. Yeah, no, I think he can. I, I think it's going to – it would take some time. But, like, I mean, Jimmy went to Eastern Illinois. Um you know, Tom Brady went to a plucky little school in the Midwest on Michigan. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> um, man. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think so. Like, I, I think that type of stuff. Like, here, another thing about Trey Lance, like, people talk about recruiting. If Trey Lance went to high school in Texas or somewhere else in the South and he went to one of those massive football programs, we'd be talking about him with Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, right. as, like, the top, top guy. But because he grew up in a tiny little town way outside of Minnesota and played at a small school and played in a wing T offense. Seven-person football or whatever. Right. Like Minnesota (laughs) Minnesota didn't even – didn't even recruit him to be a quarterback. They they thought he would be a strong safety or receiver or something. Right. Um, And so the fact that he's already overcome all of that to get to this this point about – you know, to the point of being a top ten pick – I do think he can take that next step, but I also think he'd do it. You would have to do it knowing it's going to take some time. And I think that's another reason why the 49ers might be willing to take him is because they, they could potentially have that time. Right. And that, that brings me to my next question, my main question for you. So like assuming he can hang and like, look, if Kyle Shanahan plus his dad, plus the quarterback coach Beck and like everybody else says he can hang, like I, I, you know, trust him, but like, He's going to, like, there's no doubt he's going to take a while to develop. Like, do you think, like, I don't think he's going to develop after just one year sitting. Like, is, like, are, is the Niners franchise willing to wait two to three years to develop Trey Lance versus, like, I think Fields would be ready after, like, one year sitting just, like, you know, pick, pick, pick any, like, rookie that came out, sat a year and and was really successful, like an Aaron Rodgers or whoever. Yeah. I think everyone's willing to wait that long. Yeah, so I, I think honestly, I don't think it would take that long. I think it, it like it wouldn't surprise me if Trey Lance came in and, and started games by the middle of the season. But I think that's probably true about any of the three guys we're talking about, and even Zach Wilson, obviously. Um and a lot of it too is because of the offense they run at North Dakota State. And like he's already taking those steps and drops. He's he's making a lot of those throws like he you know, the Matt Ryan stuff in 2015 when he struggled with uh, play action because he had to turn his back to the defense and then readjust. Like, Trey Lance is already doing that stuff at a relatively high level at 19 years old, so I do think he has a good basis for it. And I also think it could be Justin Fields, too. Like, that that's the, that's the big thing is, like, all the signs to me are pointing to Lance, but it could very well just be Justin Fields because Kyle Shanahan just likes him better, even though the offense is a little bit different and and – you know, might give Lance that advantage. But, no, I I do think no matter who the 49ers draft, that guy could be in position or good enough to start by midseason. And whether or not – I mean, look. Wait, who, Lance or Fields by midseason? Well, all of them, honestly. I, I think really? they all think Lance by midseason? Yeah, I think he could. Um, like that's maybe, a hot take. It, it might be uh-huh. a hot take, but it's, <laughs> it's not something that, that I – like, I it's something that I think other people think and other people I've talked to think, too. Um, in that, you know, it's it's all about the high level stuff away from the field, right? It's the X's and O's. It's yeah. the 
um, him being able to to draw things on the whiteboard and him having studied NFL defenses while he was redshirting and all of that stuff. Like, I think there there is an element of that stuff that might make Lance more ready than I think people think, but who knows? I mean, you know, you look at the, the quarterbacks that hit the ground running, like Deshaun Watson was pretty good from the jump. Patrick Mahomes is obviously really good from the jump. Um, and those were guys that, you know, good teams traded up for. Those were teams that were coming off multiple playoff bursts when they got their quarterback. In a similar situation the 49ers are in now, albeit the Niners didn't make the playoffs last year, but, you know, the injuries and all that. Um, so I think they could. Um, what I'll, I'll open it up to the rest of the group. What do you guys think? Do you guys think Lance could be ready to start this year, or how important is being able to start soon uh, when it comes to the 49ers choosing uh, the guy? I think that I think he's the most. I've said it. He's like the most pro ready, and people are like think I'm crazy for saying that because he doesn't have like you know a ton of throws. But a lot of like the big transition from going from college to the pros is like you know learning how to command the huddle, like learning how to call a play in the huddle, learning how to get lined up under center, like learning how to you know set line protections and. And, okay, these are, you know, you got to block here, you got to block there, you know, all those site adjustments. Well, Trey Lance has been the one guy who's been in charge of all of that. Now, I get it, you know, it's at a, you know, FCS school, but out of everybody that's coming out, like, he's done those things the most. And that's a huge part of the transition from going from college to the pros. So um, that part he has, he already has down, I think, for him is just – you know, being more consistent with, you know, his feet, you know, his technique and stuff like that. So he doesn't miss random throws. <laughs> That's like the biggest transition for him. For somebody who who has never had a quarterback coach until this offseason getting ready for the combine or uh, pro days. To me, uh, I think a lot of what's going to go into this, I, t- I feel like Kyle Shanahan has the ability to help any of these quarterbacks transition to the pros in as quickly as he wants to, you know, it all comes down to what his preference is and, and when he wants that guy to step on the field. But we saw, I mean, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo had been in the league for a while, but he was on a completely different team. And then he was traded to the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, he wasn't on the 49ers that, but what, maybe like three or four games, I think maybe even less before he stepped on the field and he played the last five games of the season and looked very serviceable. And that was with an, an admittedly, little tiny slice of the playbook. And I think that same option exists for any any rookie quarterback that steps into Kyle Shanahan's offense. He doesn't have to slam the whole playbook onto the desk in front of him and say, all right, man, let's learn this. You know, you, you he takes whatever section he wants to give him and he eases him into it. And to me, Kyle Shanahan bears as much of that burden when it comes to being ready for, you know, the NFL in his rookie season as the quarterback does. Kyle Shanahan with his – you can call it, you know, complex. You can call it creative. You can call it quarterback friendly. Whatever you want to call it, I feel like a guy that's got that amount of intelligence should be able to simplify his offense to make it to where any, whether it's Trey Lance or Justin Fields, either of them can step in and have success. So I, I feel like it, it all kind of just depends on what, where Kyle Shanahan wants to go with this. Because if if he wants those rookie quarterbacks to start week one, I feel like he's going to do it. And two, he's probably knows a way to make sure that that guy kind of has a steady transition and it's not as overwhelming as maybe it's made out to be in some cases. 
And, and Rob, I go back to what you said earlier that very rarely is a rookie quarterback who's going to get picked at three coming into a situation like this. So I think that that was a really good point, and it makes it so really any of these guys can be ready or serviceable as needed to do what they need them to do. Yeah, and you also can look back to, uh, what, was it 2012 with RG3? And just the fact that they were able to get him ready, basically just running the same scheme he ran at Baylor and had a ton of success with it his rookie year. Um, so I think Shanahan has coached enough enough styles or types of quarterbacks um, and played with so many different schemes and figured out what their strengths and weaknesses are that he, that that's one of his strengths is like he's able to tailor schemes to his guy's skill set really well. He's able right. to do it when they're dealing with injuries. Like, you know, in 2019 when they lost both of their tackles, he was able to scheme up a bunch of things. To So, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's getting the ball out quickly so you don't have to worry about Justin School being on an island with Miles Garrett all that much. So, and you look at the potential of what either Justin Fields or Trey Lance could do in the running game, and you wonder if you create an offense. You know, you don't want to have a, a run-first offense to the point like Baltimore has with Lamar Jackson, but maybe that's the type of offense you have in the short term um, that nobody's prepared for because there's no film on it. And then the pass concepts are less complicated and you're able to ease him into the passing game that way, just getting him on the field, putting him in advantageous situations because you're running the ball well. And now you have a quarterback that adds a completely different dynamic to the running game, no matter which guy it is. And then you build your offense that way, and then it's, you, you know, you're not, you, you're not, no matter who it is, you're not going to ask him to drop back 45 times a game, right? So I think Kyle Shanahan is really good at figuring out how to develop guys, what their strengths and weaknesses are at any given point, what the team's strengths and weaknesses are, um, and and can scheme to to those strengths and get the most out of his guys. So I think out of all the coaches in the league, like I think Kyle Shanahan is probably one of the five best when it comes to doing those things and being in a position to take in a rookie, like you guys have said, in a really good situation and just try to get a lot out of them early. I, I will say this, you know, and w- while I know this isn't like the sexy thing to say, but Mac Jones, he <laughs> – <laughs> I know, like, if we're talking about somebody, and I talk about, you know, Trey Lance being the most pro-ready because he's used to those, you know, certain things that he's going to be asked to do at the next level. But just as, like, a pure passer and understanding, like, concepts and the concepts that Alabama ran and the efficiency that Mac Jones ran it with, I think he can be somebody that definitely plays right away and does well. Now, it's not – <laughs> um, I, I don't know, <laughs> but, but um, and, and again, like you know, I'm 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 for whoever. Like, I mean, obviously, I, I prefer Justin Fields, and I like the upside of those type of guys. But if I wouldn't, I won't be surprised. I won't be as surprised as a lot of people if they pick Mac Jones. Like, I can clearly see what Kyle would like with him, and how he would fit with our with the offense. Like when you look at what Alabama did with their concepts, it was way different than some of these other teams. And I think, like, just the creativeness with their offense and the way they ran things and the efficiency that he ran it with, I can see Kyle, like, really liking that and seeing how he can plug Mac Jones in, like, right away, as opposed to Justin Fields where, you know, there is that kind of learning curve 
of, you know, the quick game and things like that. Like, and Mac Jones kind of played well at every level. It is, I know it's tough. It's tough for me to even say these things. But how, how, how do you differentiate uh, a difference between his command of the offense and how easy it was because he had two receivers that are going to go on the top 15? Well, I think if you just like look at the timing of running back, like going the first. Yeah, I think if you just look at the timing of everything, like he he. So, Rob and I have been saying for a long time on our podcast that like Mac Jones does like all the quarterback things like well. Uh, you know, I tweeted out in October, early October. I was like, "Dang, this is the most Kyle Shanahan quarterback in this class." When I first like was really watching him, and then you go back to like Michigan last year, and I get it. Like I, I know. Uh, you know, all the talent that uh, Alabama had in that game. But when you watch him, he was under duress all game. And to watch how he played, like, in that pocket, the way he moved and worked the pocket and was still getting throws off. Now, again, you can see sometimes where, like, not having the biggest arm can get him in trouble. But just from the standpoint of, like, what it looks like, even when things are great. Remember, he lost Jalen Waddle kind of early in the year. And he played the rest of the year with Mechie and, obviously, Heisman winner, Devontae Smith and and Harris and the great offensive line. But <laughs> um, aside from that, he still was like, when you just watch him, it, it it looked smooth, like the timing of everything, the rhythm of everything. Like he still worked every level. Like when they, they did a ton of screens, but even then, like he still, the drive throws over the middle, like the deep throws, like, and, you know, he'll have some weird throws here and there. But I, I could just see, I, I can see Kyle really liking him. Croc, I have a question for you because you're smarter than me on, on a lot of this stuff. To me, and I've watched a lot of Mac Jones, and because I've got, like, every day feels like a roller coaster. I feel like I'm really confident in who they're going to take, and then I, I don't, depending on somebody saying something or whatever. But I, I go through roller coasters, and I go back and watch Mac Jones. And the thing that, that I keep coming back to, people talk about his anticipation, right, um, and that he's the most anticipatory thrower in this class. And I watch him play – and a lot of the time it feels like, well, he just knows his dude is going to win the matchup. Like, that's what he's anticipating. A lot of the times, like, he'll, he'll put the ball in a perfect spot with full confidence knowing his receiver is going to beat the defender to, to the catch point and get the ball. And, like, how much of that, in your opinion, is – I mean, obviously it's good, right? It's good to be able to see things before they happen and throw balls before guys break and things like that. But in situations where, like, to me, it just looks like he's throwing the ball up because he's anticipating his guy beating the other guy. Is that at all scary to you when you when you look at his – when you look at projecting him in the NFL? Because he's not going to have those matchups every game where he can just confidently put the ball in a spot and know his guy is going to get it. Yeah, I, I think I saw that a lot, even more so on, like, the deep ball. Like, I was watching him against Tennessee earlier today. And, like, there was this play to Mechie where he just threw the ball down and there was, like, a safety coming over and a corner over top. And Mechie just went up and made a play. And it's just like, man, that's not realistic. (laughs) (laughs) But but when you watch everything else, like, there is a lot of, like, the timing throws. Like, there are times where he's throwing before a guy even turns around and gets out of his break. Like, those things are on film, like his drive throws or, like, right when he's supposed to throw it because a guy breaking open and he's going to be, there's going to be like this window of separation. Like he will throw it into that window without the guy even being there yet. Like he does do those things. But again, like the tough thing is, well, you're you're definitely not going to get the off script plays. He, everything was a little bit more comfortable with him at Alabama because of the offensive line and the weapons that he played with. 
when he gets in a situation where somebody takes away his fastball, like what is he going to do then? There is no, there's no changeup, you know? And I think that's where, like, when you have a guy like Justin Fields, where he might have to learn more command. Or even in, I don't even think it's so much you have to learn. Like, there's just different style of quarterbacks. One is just more timing, rhythm, and preciseness. The other one is just more of a playmaker. And, you know, I think for Kyle, he's going to have to decide what kind of guy he wants. Because even with Justin Fields, like, he he's airing it out. He's He's throwing, you know, drive routes and all these things. Like, he does all these things you can't teach. But I could see him liking Mac Jones. And I do think Mac Jones can come in just because of the complexity of Kyle's offense. He can come in and run that efficiently right away. I have a I have a question for everybody. How important in this whole mix is somebody being able to step in and be really good right away? Because to me, I think about it and I'm like, man, that's cool. Mac Jones would be like a, a 6 or a 7 out of 10 in his rookie season. And then maybe he's an 8 out of 10 thereafter. But, you know, with a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields that you may be expecting to take more lumps, maybe they're like a six in their rookie season. Then they're a seven in the next season. and then they, But, you know, it's the ceiling thing. Are, are, do you think Kyle Shanahan's really concerned with what these guys can do right away? Or, uh, to me, this kind of trade where you're giving up this kind of capital says, I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I just saw Josh Allen, who looked incredibly terrible his rookie season, just whip my ass from one side of the field to the next. And and that's what I want. And it took them three years to get it. So, you know, I, I'm just – still hit the playoffs in year two. I think that's something that gets overlooked. Like, everybody does talk about, like, the, the whole Josh Allen thing, and it took them three years to get to, like, an MVP level. But the Bills were in the playoffs in year two. It was up 16-0 on the Texans. I think that, that kind of gets overlooked a little bit. So, what, guys, yeah, what's the – like, do you think somebody being – pro-ready, being able to step in and have success right away. Is that even a part of the, the equation for Kyle? I think oh, Kyle Shanahan is confident that he could get a rookie quarterback to take him to the playoffs. Given given the roster that they have and the infrastructure that's already in place, I absolutely think he has that confidence going into this pick. Um, so he, it's almost like you just think he, he – it's not it's almost not a factor for him. He just thinks whichever one it is, he's going to be able to have success with him right away. Yeah, and I think what's going to end up happening if they don't trade Garoppolo is it's just going to be like, all right, best guy wins the job unless somebody offers them a first-round pick, which going back to that idea, like I just don't think there's any market, at least there's any market right now giving up a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I don't think that's going to happen until Garoppolo goes out and plays well and stays healthy for, you know, until the trade deadline or something. Um but yeah, I, I think Kyle Shanahan is is not lacking confidence to to make something like that happen. Oh, for sure. And you can't you can't trade three first round picks for McCorkle. I'm sorry. I agree. <laughs> I strongly agree. I strongly yeah. like yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. We'll but all I also quit the think, Niners. We'll all I also think Niners. when you trade when you do all that to get to number three, you are one hundred percent confident that you could make any of those guys a starter week one. Yeah. I don't think you make that trade without that confidence level. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Me too. All right, Kyle. I'm going to boot yeah, you now, but uh, right. I, I did want to uh, express my gratitude for you coming on. No, I appreciate it. Like, it. It's good chat yeah. with everyone. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, we will talk soon. We're going to do something fun soon since the world's opening back up here. I think I think it's important to note that 
Kyle's first comments when he got into, invited on to the locker room stage was, well, I haven't been able to talk to you, so I'm glad I got to come here to talk to you. <laughs> Kyle and I just went to a baseball game like a week ago, so okay. I, I'm not buying that one. Um, we're going to bring in Tony. Tony, what's Tony. going on, man? Can you hear me, Tony? Tony in three, two. All right, Can you hear Tony's me? gone. Oh, later, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, Tony's back. I'll give Tony one shot. Tony, can you hear us? Hey, can you hear me, my friend? I'm not sure if my voice is being put on. Yeah, oh, we can we, hear you. We got, we got you now. Okay, great. I uh, I just wanted to tell you guys I really enjoy your show. I appreciate and, that. Uh, I've been following you guys through Twitter and also on the app. You guys cover most of the stuff I had questions about, but one thing I can't understand, guys on top, you know, like Peter King and even, uh, you know, some of the other top reporters are still backing up that Mac Jones rumor, which is making me nervous, you know. The more, <laughs> the more I hear it, the more nervous I get. They're just 100% adamant that, that Mac Jones is is the pick and they're going to take it all the way to the end. Yeah, so I don't I, know what's going on with that. I, I think it's because football in general, old school football people uh, like Peter Kings and Adam Schefters and stuff are averse to change and risk taking. And so the notion of a head coach who has had a type of quarterback for so long uh, suddenly deviating from that is is not something that anybody wants to put their name on. Um, so if you look at the list of quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan has had and then the list of quarterbacks that are going to be available at number three, and they're picking the one that is most like the ones that are the quarterbacks like he's had. And that's yeah. why they're doing it. And even, like, I think – I don't think these guys are wrong in – conveying the message that they're hearing. I th- I think it's true that a lot of people in the league are expecting the Niners to take Mac Jones because they connect the dots just like Kyle just said. But that doesn't mean that's what Kyle Shanahan's doing, right? Like, I just – I always come back to, like, the most progressive – one of the most progressive offensive minds in the league, wants to win Super Bowls, has lost to Patrick Mahomes, and has watched all these mobile athletic quarterbacks make plays on his defense – and make plays outside of structure, I just, you know, as much as you would love to have the guy who does the thing exactly the way you want to in the pocket and deliver the ball on time and all of that stuff, I just don't know that there's a big enough difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Mac Jones to make Mac Jones worth three first-round picks. And so I, I think it's, you know, I like I said, I think it's reasonable that a lot of people in the league believe that, but that doesn't necessarily make it true. And Peter King, in his column today, basically wrote it. He was like, the Niners aren't telling the Niners aren't saying anything about it. And in the past, like last year uh, around this time, it was either this week, two weeks before the draft or a week before Peter King was like, yeah, I think I really think the Niners. And it it, it sounded like, you know, he was getting it directly from the team. Like there's, if you read between the lines, you can tell what's, what's being said to these guys directly on the record that they can report and what's not. And Peter King said, well, I think it's, I'm still, if I had to guess it would be Mac Jones, but he also made it clear he's not hearing that from anybody in the building. And I think what's most consistent is that nobody knows for sure, but a lot of people are just connecting those dots. So I think that's sort of where that's coming from. Thank you very even, much. Uh, even even yeah. Ian Rappaport came out and said, like, the people I normally talk to 
they don't know. There's only a few people that do know, and they're not saying anything, which is kind of just a unique. You don't usually hear, you know, somebody whose business is completely predicated on sources kind of come out and say that. Like, they basically said, like, look, there's only a few people that know, and they're not saying shit. Yeah. Yeah, even, right. like, not, not not to sound like the person with, like, sources or anything, but I, I do have somebody that kind of keeps me informed on certain things going on, and, and they've heard something from their source, but they're even saying that their source didn't hear that directly from Kyle Shanahan's mouth. So, yeah, I don't right. think anybody really knows. I think Kyle Shanahan has, has made it a point not to tell anybody, and there it's probably him and John Lynch and Adam Peters, and maybe Mike McDaniel, and maybe Mike Shanahan. And I think that's probably the circle. Maybe Jed York. But I think that's about it. So anybody who says they know with any certainty or there's buzz or whatever, like I don't think any of that's coming from Kyle Shanahan. I think it's just people talking. So we'll yep. take one more before we get out of here. We'll go with Amechi. Amechi, did I say your name right? Yes, sir. What How's up, it going, bro? man? Uh, it's going well, man. I, I, I'm honored to be up here talking to Tracy. I've never uh, spoke with her before, but there's been there's been so much, uh, you know, masculine energy on some of these chats. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to name any names, but it gets a little crazy in the in the chat room sometimes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's good to uh, it's good to you know have somebody holding it down for the females, and and that's what's up. So. Um, and I always laugh. This whole draft process, I'm always laughing about that one meme where it's like the the female on the side of the bed next to her her boyfriend or her husband, and she's like thinking, has a little thought bubble, like, "Oh, is he is who is he cheating on me? What's he thinking about right now?" And it's like <laughs> the other dude's just like, "I wonder what the Niners are gonna do at three. Like, that's <laughs> us you know what I'm saying? Like every night. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I wanted to bring up was um something that a uh, you know, back to the conspiracy theories and the 4D chess, you know, uh, thinking about things and whatnot. Um, I was just curious about the Jets and them being at Justin Fields' pro day, but apparently are allegedly not being there at Trey Lance's pro day, which I think is, like, a little bit interesting, um, especially considering, like, what I don't know which one of you was mentioning before. Like, it seems like one of the worst-kept secrets in the league is that Atlanta – you know, is really enamored with Trey Lance. And so I'm thinking, like, with the Niners trading up to three, obviously the Jets are going to take a quarterback. Like, that's obvious. They traded Sam Donald. Um, they they wouldn't accept the trade with the Niners who were picking that 12, so they didn't want to get that far back. So clearly they're going to get one of these top guys. But, you know, is it possible that Atlanta, with, again, a first-time GM, you know, are they going to try to go up to number two and possibly get – Trey Lance, like maybe that's the prize that, you know, that the worst kept secret that they've been wanting to get Trey Lance. And obviously they have the, you know, former offensive coordinator with the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill has a somewhat similar profile to a guy like Trey Lance. Um, it just got me, it just has me thinking, like, is that a possibility? Like, what do you guys think about kind of that number two spot? Because we keep hearing Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, but I just don't know 100% if – they're going to do that, yeah, especially when uh, I saw the video um, Crocky did breaking down um, uh, Drew Locke versus Zach Wilson. And, and, man, like, it's just spot on. It's spot on. Like, we get so – we give these guys so much hype, and we get, like, kind of fantasizing what they can do and, like, oh, we can do this no-look throw. Like, who cares? Like, a no-look throw, <laughs> like, when he, like, that's, like, such a – that's such an exception to the rule. It's, like, especially for, like, Shanahan. 
I just feel like he's so he doesn't really want that off script type playing. And like if you think about it, I don't know if he just loves Zach Wilson because he goes so off script all the time. So I don't know. I'm going on a bunch of different tangents and whatnot, but that's basically what I had. I agree with you in that it's a possibility. Put it this way, like we before, you know, leading up to the draft, I'm going to try to write about all like all the guys. I'm I'm definitely going to write about Zach Wilson just in case some weird stuff happens. I don't have any rhyme for re- rhyme or reason for it, but I'm definitely going to include Zach Wilson so I can say if if some weird scenario happens and Zach Wilson ends up being a 49er, I will be able to say, yeah, I go back. I I wrote about him, so I <laughs> I, I hit the I hit that base at least uh, b- before the draft. What do you guys think? I think that's a fascinating question. I mean, it, um, for me, for me, it comes back to for the 49ers to pay that amount of draft capital. I feel like they would have long before they even made that decision. It, one of their first steps would have been to play through that draft process and any which way it can unfold and what quarterback could be available, available to them with pick number three and I, I just feel like they would have had to have been okay with whoever gets there, whether it's Zach Wilson, whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's Justin Fields. Uh, she, I mean, in some weird world, Trevor Lawrence. And, and obviously they could probably assume that no matter what, Mac Jones would be there. And so it's, I, I feel like in order to make that trade, they would have already been okay with whatever option falls to three. Now, throughout this process, have they developed a clear favorite? And does that guy no longer being there kind of throw their stuff for a loop? I think that's – Definitely a possibility, but I also feel like I fall back on them just – they would have had to have been okay with any option once they gave up that draft capital. Otherwise, maybe they would have been – somebody said that they never – that nobody really ever called about pick number two. So, you know, maybe that that was their reasoning for it is because they were going to be happy with whoever made it to three. Tracy, what you got? I think Amethi wants to hear from you. Can you repeat the question and cut out for one second? Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't even know what the question is. <laughs> I just want to hear, just want to hear what I have to say. First of all, I can't wait for draft day to be here because I think it will maybe calm things on 49ers Twitter, but maybe it will make things mm. worse. Um, <laughs> especially if they, they um, pick my punter, Matt Duffy, at number three. Um, but uh, so I'm going to say that. I think um, I think I tend to believe, and I think everyone on this podcast feels the same way that, Kyle Shanahan knows a lot better than I do. I don't want to speak for everybody on this podcast. I know that Kyle Shanahan knows a lot better than I do. Whoever he picks is going to be the right guy, um, but I do think he's going to pick Trey Lance. There we go. That's what I have for you guys. <laughs> Perfect. Appreciate y'all. Thank that, you. Uh, and I appreciate you, Meshi. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's a that's a, a good bit. Tracy out here confirming my confirmation bias is a good uh, is a good place for us to end. I think we've been on here for damn an hour and twenty three minutes. So um, shout out to everybody who logged in and, and checked in with us. That's awesome. We had I think as many as eighty two I saw in the Sean Taylor, uh, the room, which was uh, easily the most we've had. We've we've built we we're stacking days now where we're setting our own uh, our own personal records for the locker room. Brick um, by brick. Eric, <laughs> brick by brick, exactly. Kyle, <laughs> um, you're funny. <laughs> you guys have to check out uh, Rob and Croc if you aren't already over at uh, Strike and Gold. This was our our debut collab episode. I'm sure there'll be many more in the future, and we can probably do this again after the draft. The crossover um, event. The crossover Super event. Firm. Tracy, thank you for blessing us with your presence, as always. Thank you for having me, guys. And sure. um, 
We will uh Kyle, do you have anything else? I know you've been quiet over there. Do you do you have any flaming hot takes or puns you wanna you wanna get off your chest before you go? I hope they draft Kyle Pitts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's all I want. That's all I got. It's all and they could jet like, oh, best player in the draft. We traded three first round picks for who we think is the best player in the draft. I think that'd be great. That would be hilarious. All right, on that, we'll uh, we'll call it there. We're we're gonna have Kyle and I are ha- gonna have some guests on um, later this week that I think you guys are going to like. We're gonna try to record as many pods, whether it's on here or with guests or just on our own over the next couple weeks previewing the draft. Um, so it's crazy. We're just over two weeks out and uh, an exciting time. So if there's any breaking news, we'll be all over that. If not, we'll keep speculating on the quarterback stuff. And uh, you guys enjoy the start of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.